Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick, your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Well, welcome everybody. This is episode 12, uh, and it's What Contraception Should You Take to Protect Your Fertility? So, Pat, it's such a truism, isn't it, for most women? We spend most of our time trying not to get pregnant, but when the time is right, that's when things are in reverse and we get all sort of, you know, pent up about how do we protect our fertility. That's right. So, what a lot of women are worried about is for our ability for our body to become pregnant. And a few weeks ago, we actually asked this question on our Insta stories. Now, if you haven't been following our Instagram page, now's the time. It's at grow underscore my underscore baby. And so we asked how many people were worried or stressed that they couldn't get pregnant. And um, it was overwhelming, like 97% said yes. Outrageous, 97% said yes. Yeah, and it's strange, isn't it? You know, whether we've lost our confidence in our own body or whatever it is, but we had heaps of women asking us questions about their current form of contraception. And it seems that they're really concerned that their history of using contraception may impact their fertility. So we promised a podcast for those people to talk about the safety of contraceptions and some information on the contraceptions that are best to use if you're thinking about babies and that babies are in your plan soon. So, Patty, we've had heaps of people saying that they love your little story. So have you got, before we start, have you got a little tidbit for us to share to hear today? I do. It's nothing to do with contraception, but it's been a good week. It's been VBAC week this week. So VBAC is vaginal birth after caesarean. And this is obviously a woman who's had a caesarean section birth in the past and wishes to have a vaginal birth next time around. And uh, this week we had a a beautiful, successful one of those so for various reasons, sometimes it's not possible. Somebody might have had a good reason to have a caesarean section the first time around and that very same thing might happen again the second time. But uh, it's particularly satisfying when, when someone's a good candidate for VBAC and, and when it works. And that was a, a highlight this week. Yeah, it's, I noted your elation. It's uh, very exciting, isn't it? Look, it is. It's, it's, it's great. And sometimes it can restore some people's uh, faith in the system. They can say, well, the first time around I had a section and that was probably good advice and I was probably doing the smart and sensible thing under those circumstances but this time the circumstances were different the pregnancy was normal and there's there was no reason why I couldn't have a vaginal birth this time Alrighty, so let's get on to contraceptions and um, I suppose we'll we'll have to go back what a year or two <laughs> sure uh, so if I'm thinking about having a baby when should I stop using my contraception well, that's a really good question. It sounds obvious, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> you should stop. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a good question because it, that's one of the things that came up frequently off the Instagram, and, and it depends what you're on. 
and it's about the individual circumstances of that woman and that couple. So, for example, if you're not trying to have a baby and you're happy with your contraceptive plan and, and you're on it and it's safe and it works for you, then you don't stop at all. Somebody who might want to have a baby and is all prepared and they're ready and they've take, they've started some uh, folate and they've seen their local doctor for a, a tune-up of their general health and they're ready to go, if they're on the pill, just stop it when you're ready to start trying. But there are some other forms of contraception which are much longer acting and one that comes to mind that's frequently a problem would be the three-month depot injection. That's depot provera, long-acting progesterone in a three-month injection. And of course, the problem with that one can be delayed return to normal fertility. So I always worry about people who are using depot who might want to have a baby in the subsequent year. Because even though you have it every three months, you think it's probably wears off in three months, but not really. It can take a lot longer than that to, to wear off. And you might not have return to normal fertility for almost a year after the last dose. Yeah. So someone who's on depot, and it might be the right one for them, they might be happy, they would perhaps be thinking about changing their contraceptive plan a year out, a year before they want to start trying, to something that can be switched off straight away. Yeah. And actually, I mean, we might have to go back a step and, and sort of talk about what are the different types of contraception. Well, there's some broad sort of headings. There's uh, a barrier things, and the most commonly used one of those is is condoms. Um, That obviously works as a barrier so that sperms can't get into the woman's um, reproductive tract. And that's, and you know, all of these have their own pros and cons. Next is a group that work hormonally, and as a group, they work uh, chiefly to stop woman ovulating so that no eggs produced and she won't get pregnant. And that's the group that includes uh, the pill. And then there's another group called LARCs, long-acting reversible contraceptives. And those are things like the Implanon uh, that goes in your arm or an IUD, intrauterine device, that goes in the uterus. And they've all got pros and cons and they've all got slight variations in things like side effect profile, perfect patient to use it and return to normal fertility when it's removed. Yep. And um, I'm not sure whether we've got international listeners yet, but if they're not Australian, is Implanon, is that the, the term? Is that the name? Yeah, Implanon's a long-acting progesterone that goes in your arm. Okay. Yeah. So it's not a proprietary... That's a proprietary name. Okay. Yeah. And the IUDs, what sort of IUDs would people be familiar with? Well, there's two types. There's one that's got copper inside it, and uh, so it's a little T-shaped uh, device that goes in the uterus, and in the stalk of the T there's a little piece of copper. And copper inside the uterus is uh, creates a, a spermicidal environment and um, creates an environment in the uterus where you won't get pregnant in the first place and if you did conceive it, wouldn't want to implant. Okay, And then there's another group that uh, progesterone or hormone-containing IUDs called Marina. And Marina's are very popular. They That's a little plastic IUD that lets go of a little bit of progesterone hormone every day sits in the uterus for up to five years highly reliable contraception so that sort of brings up the next question and one of the people on your insta stories actually did ask about well what about the safety of contraceptions yeah the safety what it comes down to is making a sensible decision in the first place for that woman at that time and rather than say one's more or less safe than the other, it's about um, help. Well, from my point of view, it's about helping my, my patients make a good decision for them at the time. 
So, for example, they've all got risks and they've all got benefits. And there are some people who might be entirely unsuitable to use a particular contraceptive. For example, the ordinary contraceptive pill, especially in women over 40, might increase the risk of blood clotting. So if we had a patient who was 39, overweight, and had had a deep venous thrombosis in her leg in the past, so those are other risks of, of, of blood clotting, we might not recommend the pill for that woman. But that's not to say that the pill's unsafe for a 21-year-old with no history of blood clotting. In her, could be perfectly safe. Yeah. Yeah. So more about making the right decision for helping that woman make the right decision for her at her time of life with her medical history. And are they all about the same sort of effectiveness? You're listening to The Kick with Dr. Pat and Bridget. How many times have you Googled something about your pregnancy? When I was pregnant all the time, Dr. Pat. (laughs) We get it. You may be confused or overwhelmed. It's normal to want information, but where's the reliable stuff from experts? Yeah. Now, if you like our podcast, Dr. Pat and I have developed an online program to help guide you through whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. It's taken us literally two years to put it together. Two long, hard years, wasn't it? (laughs) But, you know, it is a game changer in how pregnancy information is given. Now, how it works is uh, you get to sign up at whatever stage of pregnancy you're at. Like, So you could be pre-pregnant, in your very early stages of pregnancy, late pregnancy, preparing for birth, or maybe you've just brought your baby home. And you get lots of information around that. And then you also get to join our closed Facebook group. We've called in all our contacts too. So we've got a dietitian, an anaesthetist, physiotherapist. Sonographer. Yeah, who else? A pediatric nurse, obstetrician, mother of four. Oh, just all the people you need to hear from. So if that's you, come and join us at www.growmybaby.com.au. Well, not really, no. So someone might use um, condoms because they, they like the fact that they, there's no side effects from the use of a condom. We're not on hormones. We won't be getting you know, weight gain or mood changes or breast tenderness from hormones. But downside is real-world reliability. So there are very good condom users out there and less good condom users, and um, there's some inherent risk of breakage. Moving up, say, to the pills, we're always weighing up risk versus benefits. And you've got to remember to take those. I think I always had trouble as a like a 22-year-old uh, taking the pill. That's right. So you have to be ready to um, uh, make some little plan to make sure that you take it every day. It's a very good contraceptive, but relies on people remembering to take it. And again, on the risk side, mostly fine. Small group of people who might think twice about taking the pill. And then you move up to those larks, those long-acting reversibles. They're the most reliable because they take the human element out of it. If you've got a a marina in your uterus, um, it's set and forget. We know it's in the right place. We know it's working. And we can just um, take the human element out of it. You don't have to remember to take anything. And you can, you know, that's highly reliable with with reliability rates well over 99%. And what about the tolerance for things such as Mirena? Like, how do you find in the practice how well Mirena is tolerated? Well, yeah, again, it depends from person to person. There's a group um, of young women who haven't had any babies yet who are mostly used to being prescribed the pill. And for them, it may well be the most uh, sensible, easy, affordable and safe choice. 
then often I'll see a woman who's come off the pill, had her first baby, and then she says to me, well, what's the best pill for breastfeeding? So then we start to talk about some of those other uh, long-acting reversibles, Marina, Copper IUD, because the woman's circumstances have changed. Yes. Uh, she might have had that baby vaginally, so the cervix is a bit softer. It's easier to get an IUD inside. She's busy with a newborn, so she doesn't want to remember to have to remember to take the pill every day. And she might be um, breastfeeding full-time, which means that she knows that breastfeeding full-time gives her some contraception, but not quite enough to guarantee that she's not going to be pregnant again straight away. Yeah. So that's a group that might want contraception, but for the first time they're being presented with a whole different option in the form of an IUD, which they weren't presented with before the first baby because it wasn't appropriate. Yeah. Okay, so I've got that it's sort of individual dependent, but it's also dependent on where that individual is in their life style and life plan exactly so uh, we might not be able to you know to uh, sell an IUD to a 21 year old who who doesn't need it or for whom that's not the best choice but I find a very high level of of receptiveness to IUDs for uh, women between pregnancies yes yeah, so they're, they're kind of ideal for those women so I was going to say have you got a favorite contraception yeah again depends on who who's asking but um, overall I think if you uh, surveyed most gynecologists you would hear a lot of support for long-acting reversibles, in particular for, for IUDs. They are um, incredibly reliable. They are um, safe. They're affordable for people, especially if you if you spread the cost out over five years. And why doesn't everyone have one? Because it's a procedure to put it in. Yes. You've got to go to a doctor who's experienced in putting it in. And people don't quite like the idea sometimes of having a little foreign body within the uterus. But in my experience, when people get all the other benefits from it, they quickly overlook that. Yeah. I will put my hand up. I love my uh, Myrina. And uh, I thought at the start that it wouldn't be for me because as everyone's probably picked up by now, I really don't like putting artificial things in my body. But I, I really, really like my Myrina. Yeah, for the right patient, they're, they're kind of perfect. And we also use them, of course, for the treatment of heavy menstrual bleeding. So if someone's got a cycle they don't like, then there's another group of women who use a marina not just for contraception but also for the control of um, heavy menstrual bleeding. And for that, they're terrific. And in the right patient might save them from needing an operation. Yeah. Now, back in uh, episode two, we talked about how to become an ovulation ninja. And that's really for people who want to get pregnant, mm -hmm. uh, really learning about their fertile window and what their natural cycle is. So that sort of leads to what some people do, and that's the fertility awareness method. What do you think about that? Well, um, so fertility awareness method is just being super aware of when you ovulate and dividing the month up into times when you're fertile and times when you're not. And it requires a high level of motivation to do that. It is doable. Uh, people get very good at it. And it's been a popular contraceptive over the years for people who are ethically or religiously disinclined to have uh, to have hormonal contraceptives. The major risk, of course, is is reliability, and the reliability depends on how seriously you take it. For that reason, I think it's probably a very acceptable contraceptive for somebody who isn't that fast if it fails. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. So if they're already in a position where they think that babies are in their plan in the near future, but perhaps they don't want to have babies just right then, 
But if they got pregnant, it wouldn't be such a big problem. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So the typical user might be somebody who's become a woman who's become very aware of the fertile time in her cycle because she wants to be pregnant. Yes. Okay, so she's trying to get pregnant. So she becomes a total ninja about about knowing exactly when ovulation's occurring. Well, that woman can apply that same knowledge to avoiding the time of ovulation to not get pregnant. And, for example, if that couple have decided um, in their wisdom that they want to have four babies over the course of 10 years, and it wouldn't actually matter that much if one baby came you know, earlier than they, earlier than they yeah. intended, then, um, then it's, a terrific, um, it's a, tr- a terrific form of natural contraception. But I would imagine it wouldn't be so great postpartum, so y- y- whilst you're breastfeeding or when you're period or your cycle hasn't returned fully to normal? Well, that that is a problem time because, um, you know, mostly if we're breastfeeding full-time, there's there's a thing called lactational amenorrhea, which means just no period because you're breastfeeding full-time. And there's no period usually because there's no ovulation. So some of those breastfeeding hormones mean that we're not ovulating during that, that year or year and a half when we're breastfeeding full-time. And this is one of nature's ways of spreading babies out a little bit and it, it works okay as a contraceptive but not reliably enough for most people who may seriously not want to be pregnant again in that first 12 months. Yeah. So what do we do for those women? They'll often ask for an additional contraceptive that's safe to take while you're breastfeeding and my first advice to that group is usually an IUD. Um, the marinas and the copper ones are um, highly appropriate in that group. So the fertility awareness method is not ideal in that setting because we don't know when the ovulation has started again. Yes. Okay. It usually starts again when the frequency of breastfeeding starts to drop off a little bit. Baby might be sleeping most of the night or we might be given an extra bottle feed and the ovulation will start again uh, unpredictably in that time. Yeah. But once the woman's ovulating again, and has a regular monthly period, then she'll definitely need some contraception if she doesn't wish to be pregnant. Straight away, yeah. Well, that wasn't my case. I, you know, I think I've, I've said it before, but I bled for about four weeks after each birth, then had a two-week window, and then I got my period. So. Yeah, well, that's, that's common too, yeah. yeah. So that's why you can't, you can't rely on no, that No, that's one. right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so um, going back to getting pregnant, once I've stopped my contraception, should I wait until we try to get pregnant or can I try straight away? Oh Well, you can try straight away. The only reason why you might wait if you were coming off something like a marina is that you might want to have a normal period. Let's say you're on a marina, it's working terrific as a contraceptive and it's done its other thing where it makes your period really, really light and sometimes so light that the period's disappeared altogether. And that's just because the, marina, the progesterone in the marina has made the lining of the uterus so thin that at the end of the month there's just nothing to come out. A lot of people like this and then say, okay, fine, we're going to have the marina out to have a baby. Well, it can be it can be useful to wait until you've had one proper period so at least you know when day one of the cycle is and then you can count forward to the middle of the cycle. That's your ovulatory time. That's where you want to be having intercourse. And then at the end of the month, you'll either get a positive pregnancy test or a new period. Yeah. So it can be nice to let the natural cycle reestablish, but only because you want to know when the fertile time is. So... Uh, in the circumstance where you're taking the pill, mm-hmm. there's no such thing as waiting for the pill's effects to be out of your system. Not really. You only have to miss one pill to get pregnant. Yeah. So we know that the pill's out of your system super fast. There is a thing where the period, where the, it can take a little bit of time after prolonged pill use for the natural cycle to kick back in. But 
in some people that in some women that time might be as little as one day. Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So um, what I'm always encouraging people to do is if you're not really ready to be pregnant, don't stop your contraception unless it's depot. Yes. Yeah? <laughs> um, but um, you're much better off sort of making a plan and saying, okay, um, I'm going to take contraception up until the day when I would actually be ready yeah. to be pregnant. If you stop your pill six months before you're ready to be pregnant, you're probably underestimating your own fertility and you might be pregnant two weeks later. Yes, yes. We underestimated my fertility twice, didn't we? Sure. Yeah. So that that's that, <laughs> So that that's a good case a good case in point. Yeah. Oh dear. So you know that person who has skipped well, who has missed a pill but then has uh, become pregnant but has kept taking the pill have have they harmed or is there any harm to the baby? No, usually not. So that's not an unusual story as somebody who got pregnant on the pill. It happens. It's not at all perfect. And usually those um, those pregnancies are, would be continuing in, this, in the usual way despite um, some pill use in the early part of the pregnancy. It doesn't seem to, to matter. And what about those that have got like an IUD? Is there ever the case where, you know, they're pregnant with an IUD? Yes, and that's a, a more complicated, much more complicated situation. It is possible to get pregnant on an IUD, but very uncommon. And if a pregnancy occurs with an IUD in place, there's a good chance that that pregnancy is not in the uterus where the IUD is, but in the tubes. Oh, right. So uh, it's not so much that um, IUDs increase the risk of, of ectopic pregnancy because you're not very likely to get pregnant in the first place. But if you do it might be an ectopic. Mm. And so that's the first thing we've got to go and look for, do an ultrasound and make sure that it's not a pregnancy up in the uh, up in the tubes. And then if there is a pregnancy in the uterus next to the IUD, which is a very uncommon situation, then um, the general advice is to try and remove the IUD and the pregnancy may survive that and it may not. Right. Uh, what about those that have become pregnant on IUD, but the IUD isn't found. Yes, well, that's another possibility. And this comes down to the, the big question about reliability of IUDs. One of the problems is, is the IUD sitting in the right place in the uterus? And if we look at IUDs that have failed, sometimes it's because it wasn't put in right in the first place. Um, and the IUD is sitting in the wrong position where it can't get the, the contraceptive effect that the woman's looking for. So, again, if a woman thinks the IUD is in the right place, trusts it as a contraceptive and gets pregnant, it may be because the IUD is stuck in the wall of the uterus or has perforated the uterus or has even fallen out vaginally inside a blood clot in someone who has heavy menstrual heavy bleeding. Heavy menstrual bleeding. And, and to sort of help prevent that, that's when we do the ultrasounds after placement. Yeah, so whenever I put an IUD in, I do an ultrasound straight away so that I know and the woman knows on the day she leaves my, my consulting rooms that it's in the right place. Yeah. Okay. And um, some motivated people also do a little um, vaginal self-examination to feel the string from time to time. Oh, do they? Um, yeah. My God. <laughs> to, make, to make sure that it's, it's sitting there. And I guess that's people who are, you know, more um, vigilant, uh, more perhaps more concerned about these things. Um, and you don't have to do that, but some people do. Yeah. All righty. So... Um We've talked about what to do after the baby. Is there anything um, additional that I need to think about once I've I've had my baby getting back onto contraception? Well, I think that an essential part of the six-week check after you have a baby where you go back to your local doc or your obstetrician or your midwifery care provider, whoever you're with, and uh, talk to them about how you're going at six weeks, I think it's an essential part of that conversation that contraception is, is, is covered. Yeah. So at that 
at that meeting we're going to have a look at the baby, check out the baby's um, hips and uh, talk to mum about postnatal depression and how she's managing, how breastfeeding's going, uh, bladder and bowel function, all of those things and then I talk, I talk about appropriate contraception. And again, it depends where you're at. If you've just had your first baby and you want three more, then we'd go for some sort of reliable, safe for breastfeeding, long-acting contraceptive between babies. And then if someone's uh, just had their last and that that's unanimous and it's clear that, that that's the last baby, then the conversation might in also include things like tubal ligation and vasectomy. Yeah, which we haven't really covered, but that is done at six weeks or is that done, you know, at the time, say, for example, if someone had a caesarean section, can they actually have a tubal ligation? You can have a tubal ligation at the time of caesarean section if your last baby is born by caesarean section. Um, and there are some pros and cons to doing that. There's some evidence it might be slightly less reliable if it's done at the time of caesar and that it might add some risks of bleeding to the caesarean section itself. But in general, it's considered pretty safe. Uh, and, and, and roughly as reliable as it would have been if it was done as a separate operation. Uh, and vasectomy, whenever we can you know, talk that into it. <laughs> Some dads never, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. That, that's, that, no, 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 that, that happens and that's, that's, a, that's a topic for another day. Yes, yes, and a, and a good conversation between that couple. Well, I think that's everything covered for what contraception to use pre-pregnancy and what contraception to think about after you've had your baby. Uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Kick Pregnancy podcast, please do so. Give it a rating. Um, and if you feel up to it, we would love to hear your review. We're getting so many great uh, reviews on our podcast and, you know, getting stopped in the street that it gives us a little buzz every time someone says, look, you guys are doing a really good job. And yeah, it sure does. Yeah. All right, everyone. Bye for now. We'll talk to you next time.